I know you hate me for doing this, but uh, we're running out of time. And I want to introduce you to the pianist you've been listening to, Hélène Grimaud, who joins us now, fresh from the stage of Orchestra Hall. Hello. Hi, Hi. good afternoon. Good to have you with us. It's uh, lovely to be here. Thank we, you. We've been listening to your recording of the Brahms uh, Piano Concerto Number no. 1 with the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra, and you'll be doing both the first and the second Brahms Concertos this weekend, starting tomorrow night. Um, and last Sunday, we played and had a chance to talk to you with your, your latest CD, Water, which was a, a recital. And I wanted to start by asking you, what you, you go from a recital format where you're by yourself mm-hmm. and with the audience, uh, I have somewhat more intimate setting to now you're you're at the other end of the spectrum with a full orchestra, big concerto. These two concertos are the equivalent of four Mozart concertos in terms of time. Indeed, at the, least. <laughs> uh, do you have a preference one over the other or does it matter? No, I really couldn't choose. Both are so totally different. You're absolutely right. The recital is, it is intimate. It also has a quasi-religious um, quality to mm. it when you're alone on stage with the instrument and communing with the with the public. Um, that said, if you're lucky to be on stage with a huge orchestra and a beautiful one, as the Detroit Symphony is, with partners that you respect and whose music making you enjoy, as is the case here with the orchestra with Leonard, um, it's, it's a great privilege. And there's something also very special when you can make this music sound like chamber music. So regardless of this huge spectrum of dynamics in both Brahms concertos, um, and the sheer number of you know bodies on stage. Yeah. Uh, if you still do it in a spirit of chamber music, it's then probably even more, even more special. Well, we're we're excited to have you here. You you first uh, started your relationship, shall we say, with Johannes Brahms uh, at an early age. That's right. He's uh, well. He's someone. Um, I mean, I, I could not imagine my life without his uh, without his presence, without his music. I uh, I discovered him early on, but it was at a time when I was being encouraged to play other things, more Chopin, more other pieces. It's interesting. He wasn't really a, a, a very established part of the curriculum at the conservatory back then in Paris, and um, but I was totally obsessed with his music and with that entire um, you know, German Romantic world both musically and and um on the literature front as well so he's been you know he's been part of the family for a long time the album that you issued with both concerti is is interesting in on a number of levels aside from the music which is first class uh you, you published in the booklet two pictures of brahms because there's a 22 year gap between the yes. first and second concerti and and the two brahms are look very different. Are they different in other ways as well? I imagine. 22 years, a lot of things happen. Yeah, they are. They very much are, which which is what makes it so fascinating to be given the chance to play both in such a such a you know short period of time here this week. It's actually the first time that with that. Normally I go and play number one mm-hmm. or then I go to the next subscription week and we'll play number two. It's the first time that I get to do this and um, there's more of that coming in the near future but I'm I'm very happy that it's happening for the first time in Detroit and we've had you know, rehearsals of both already, and it's uh, it's already very intense. Two different universes at the same time, you know, I do believe even as people age, um, the core of their personality remains. Um, and so it's interesting because you still have that same, that same um, uh, irresistible 
energy and passion and and sometimes even rage. Um, mm. But you have so many other things which have come to temper all of this later on, and and the two sound worlds are are totally different. I mean, in the first concerto, you're pretty much one of the orchestra instruments. I mean, that's the way it really feels. It feels like a symphony. It was meant to be a symphony anyway when you first started writing, uh. writing it, and um, and that's also a wonderful feeling to be just an integral part of the orchestra. The second one has it's a it's it's very different in all of these interventions, but it's also very chamber music like in the in the spirit already in the in the writing of the piece. So it's um, it's just great to be able to travel that spectrum within four days. You said uh, somewhere that the first concerto was was autobiographical somewhat. Yes, I've always heard it as, uh, especially the first movement, as a requiem almost, you know, something which he wrote in reaction to the first suicide attempt of his dear friend, Robert Schumann. Uh. Um, and then you have this wonderful prayer-like second movement, which is uh, really almost a love declaration to, to Clara. Um, uh, yes. And full of fervor. And then this wonderful finale. I love the finale because there is something that is so um, reminiscent for me of the Rite of Spring, you know, you can feel that that um, that aspect of the earth just, uh, you know, cracking open at springtime. There is a, there is such an incredible Urkraft, um, you know, as they say in German, this 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 uh, um, primordial vitality coming out of the music. It's a and and then in the in the second concerto, you'd said it, it, it's sort of like he was looking back on his life. It was sort of a retrospective. Yes, there is there is a lot of um, a lot of tenderness in that piece. Um, there are some absolutely sublime moments. You have a lot of moments where indeed you feel as if he's looking back onto that that time when everything changed, uh, which is very characteristic of of Brahms's music for me anyway. But it's um, it's really at its at its most intense in that in that B flat concerto. The concerti. Begin tomorrow night at 7.30, the Piano Concerto Number 1, Thursday night in Orchestra Hall. Friday morning at 10.45, which will be webcast and also broadcast right here on 90.9 FM. And then on Saturday at 8 o'clock, it's the Piano Concerto Number 2. And Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. I mean, not only are you doing the two different concertos, you're doing it at all different times. <laughs> <laughs> Is it tough turning around from an evening concert to a morning concert? Well, it can be, but, you know, every time you start, you get all that energy, and especially when you have partners on stage such as these, it's, it's, it makes the task much easier because everyone, you're sort of surfing on each other's wings somehow. So I, I expect it would, be, it would be just as enjoyable, but it is a bit early, yes, that second one at least. It, it would be interesting to hear and compare both the evening and the morning performances. They'll, they'll be different anyway. I mean, if you did it at the same time, it would be different. You're right? absolutely right. You could not be more right. It's but, never twice the same whether you try to uh, to do it so or not. Yeah. yeah, people think of that as, as jazz musicians doing it, then, mm -hmm. but it's true as well for, for the classical It should artists. be. In the best of cases, it should be. It should be. be. Yeah. Uh, there was, which reminds me of something else you said. Um, you said once in that uh, extensive New Yorker article, a concert must be an emotional event, or who needs it? You can just stay home and listen to your favorite recordings. Yes, I very much still do believe that. I do believe that it's about um, the ability, in the best of cases, to alter time. Um, and even if it's only about a few seconds here and there, it may not be an Olympic event you know, with from, you know, from the first to the last note. It's not really what it's about. It's about something much more fragile 
and uh, and that's that's what happens in the urgency of the of the music making in the moment. So, well, there are four exciting performances of Brahms with my guest Hélène Grimaud coming up. You can get the complete information at dso.org. There still are, believe it or not, a few tickets left, although the, the hall is filling up quickly. Uh, and before we let you go, I want to leave you with a quote from one of our listeners who, <laughs> I like this, he said, Brahms should have lived long enough to hear Hélène play the concertos. They've never been done better. Well, that's a great, great compliment. Thank you so very much for that. You think it'd be fun to spend some time with Johannes? Would you well, have, a, have a beer with him or a glass of wine or something? <laughs> Listen, I would, I would love nothing more than the chance to be in front of this man. At the same time, I think that the best of what he had to leave us, we have through his music. And sometimes it's better to leave well enough alone. Hélène Grimaud, thank you for coming and Thanks sharing you. your music you with us. Thank you for having me.
The finale to the piano concerto number two by Johannes Brahms. Hélène Grimaud was the pianist with the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra conducted by Andres Nelsons.